Okay, you know the drill. Time to grab your board and head out into the sea of ideas. Because we're going to try and see if we can catch that sales pipeline and ride it all the way to the end with the man who, uh, though I think he's a record holder for riding the sales pipeline, uh, Matt, Matt Hines. I don't know about that. How about that <laughs> you, you picked it up early. When that when that curl started to rise up out of the sea, boy, you grabbed your board, started paddling, and you've just been riding it ever since. Well, what most people don't know about Seattle, I mean, if you think about Seattle, people think we're on the coast. Like, we think, you know, we're northwest, <laughs> that, you know, we're on the water. Yeah. We're on the sound. There is salt water outside of Seattle, but we're actually quite a ways away from what you would consider actual official ocean, where you would actually ride a pipeline. That said, we have not had two consecutive dry days here since before Christmas. Wow. See, there and, you go. Right. And, you know, you would say, well, you, it's Seattle. That's in Seattle. It's February. That's the deal. No, not like this. This is just, this is intense. So the sales pipeline is curling up in your front lawn right now. It's going down you know, your street. You're scary close to the street. <laughs> so we, where we live outside of Kirkland, we're kind of at the base of a hill and there is seasonal runoff that comes down the hill, and we've got, we've got it, it, we kind of channeled it into this little stream, and it's it's kind of nice. The kids kind of like it. They go out and put cars in it and stuff. Yeah, um, it is raging right now. Wow! I went out this this morning before heading into the office, and it is just it's nuts. So yeah, where sun will come out eventually. I've heard potentially Sunday for I don't know 15 minutes or so, but. Um, you know, 15 minutes or so. Yeah. Right. Well, hey, you know, better you than me. It's uh, I'm looking out. It's a little chilly out there today. It's probably in the low 60s today here. So I'm bundled up in SoCal. No, don't get me going on your beach drizzle again. <laughs> we get back to that. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on Sales Pipeline Radio. Really appreciate everyone joining another episode. We are here every week live at 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. And for those of you joining us live on the Funnel Media Radio Network, thanks so much for making us a part of your workday. If you have stumbled upon this episode, found us on the uh, iTunes Store or Google Play or wherever fine podcasts are sold and available. Thanks very much for joining us as well. Paul, I was just writing up that we're, we're getting close to two. 200 episodes we've been doing this over four years and i was writing up uh, some uh, some lessons and best practices from having done the podcast for so long and i think part of the part of the lesson for me is just consistency right just doing just you know having a process having great guests like we do today and just being consistent about doing it well don't jump in and finish the book yet because your guest has got some great insights i'm told here i know he does and one of the things i was mentioning is just you know the importance of consistency and sticking with it you know i think last year we, we saw more downloads last year for the episode than we saw in the first three years combined so sometimes it just takes a little bit of time to build that up and if you want to check out some of those past episodes in the last, uh, you know, 195 plus, you can check them out at salespipelineradio.com where we're featuring some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing today. Absolutely no different. Very excited to have with us David Key. He's the founder and CEO of Big Tin Can. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, Matt, you're welcome. So great to be here. Should we talk about surfing first? He sounds like he's got an Aussie or a New Zealand accent, so he must be well-versed in surfing down there. Matt, you've got to be careful, Australians. We love the New Zealanders too, but we're slightly different. (laughs) Having some fun. Having some fun. No, it's great. We, it's really great to be on the show. You guys do an amazing job. I think the information really helps everybody, and uh, it's really great to be here. Well, so talk a little bit about Big Tick Can. I mean, you guys, you know, the your origins are in the smartphone industry, and you know, you see you guys all over the B two B space now. Talk a little bit about the evolution of the company and what you guys offer B2, the B two B sales and marketing today. Yeah, no problem. So, as you can tell from my crazy accent, we actually did start in Australia in 2011 and we really started right when there was a a confluence of really interesting technology changes affecting 
we thought every B2B buyer-seller interaction, that was this need for sellers to be better prepared and more informed when they work with a smarter and smarter buyer. If you think about the engagements folks have today in the B2B world, you know, buyers are getting a lot prepared. They're getting educated by all the wonderful, you know, marketing technology you often talk about, Matt, and, and they are often more prepared than ever before. And it was got to a point whereby many you know, customer-facing sales teams just didn't have what it took to be prepared and ready to actually have a valuable conversation with that potential buyer. And that really caused all kinds of stresses and strains in that connection to the point whereby in many of those engagements, the salesperson was left with very little to talk about except maybe the price of the solution they were selling. So Big Pink Cam was created from the very beginning to focus on how can we use the power of smart software, and I hope we'll talk a bit about our, our view of some of that in a minute, but how we can use software in new ways to automatically empower people, to have the right knowledge and the right information and the right content. So when they do engage with that smarter and better educated buyer, they're ready to be more successful. That was the beginning of the company. And you know that transition from uh, the Australian beginnings of the company to now being based out of Boston, Massachusetts, not too many waves around Boston, but we're working on that, I think. Um, we see that this opportunity is impacting every engagement pretty much in B2B today. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, we're seeing such an emergence of artificial intelligence and machine learning in sales and marketing. And I want to have you talk a little bit about over the last six to eight months, we've seen a lot more companies feel like it's accessible. It's something they can actually get their arms around and use. It seems to me that part of that is taking what we think of as big data and all this information out there and prioritizing the right data, prioritizing data that we can get access to quickly, that you can make a decision on and sort of hopefully continue to engage and mobilize the prospects. How do you guys think about that and how do you take this big opportunity and make it real and make it right now for your customers? Yeah, I think it's really interesting the way you talk about that. And you know, a lot of technology that just does appear often has had years and years of work to kind of get it to that point. We've seen something very similar happen to with AI and machine learning type technology. But if we step back a bit and think about why that even matters at all, what's the reason that matters? Well, I think at the macro level, our economy, of course, we seem to be operating in a pretty strong economy right now. That, that economy is moving much faster than ever before. You know, we expect our customer facing workers in, in B2B and really in many parts of, of our economy to be able to engage with this smarter buyer. and. After the wonderful great recession we had in 2008, a lot of the roles that we used to have that would provide some additional support and information and insights to that salesperson to help them get ready to actually work with a buyer, many of those roles are gone and probably gone for good. So where we can think about this new approach with data science and AI and machine learning, whatever you call it, is that we can now start to use computers and software to be able to provide guidance and input to help that person get better prepared for when they engage with that smarter buyer. And that can have a pretty big impact in two areas. Of course, it's a fun story, guys, but I can remember the 1990s. Mm -hmm. a long time ago, but back in the 1990s, you know, sales teams used to have assistants that would actually help the salesperson to be prepared and, you know, ready to engage with their customer give them access to new insights and information, maybe do some bit of research for them. So they could focus on the relationship and the connection they had to make with that, with that buyer. When we fast forward to today again, those roles are no longer there. So this AI, this machine learning approach can now actually help guide a salesperson, help them get better prepared, help them to have the right insights and knowledge so they can have a better chance of closing a deal. 
And that sounds pretty straightforward, and certainly we're seeing that approach becoming, I would say, more and more understood as an inevitable future. It's something that, you know, think of the way we use our smartphones today and those virtual assistants that we did not say their names on, on the radio because we'll have a whole lot of phones beeping up around the world. But, you know, those assistants you use on your phone, the way you use them to give you guidance is absolutely the model that we see working for, for you know, customer-facing B2B salespeople. But the second side of that, the other side of that coin, is actually really interesting to enterprise organizations. And that's where you can get that big data you talked about, Matt, where you could start to say, hey, we now know what is actually happening when we have those engagements with potential customers. We know how our customer-facing teams are actually working. We know what skills they have and maybe they don't have. And we can start to use that big data to make recommendations or provide guidance that can help that person to do better the next time they engage. And so where we have seen that growth you talked about over the last, certainly the last, the last 12 months, has been organizations realizing, gee, this can really work. It can work to make every engagement more successful. It can make every person more productive. And again, in our world of a tight economy where we, we just can't keep hiring people, we've got to think about um, how we can make each person more, more successful. But, but also we can now get these insights into what's happening in the buyer-seller dynamic, the actual moment of truth where buyers and sellers work together and meet each other. Now, for many organizations, particularly some, you know, even some, some larger companies where, uh, whether it be marketing or sales operations, you know, they would love to have that data to understand what's going on in that connection, and it's been missing. So our view is, Let's get serious about AI. Let's think about machine learning and data science as better ways to help empower both sides of that connection. When a buyer and seller meet at that point in time, make that seller better prepared, better equipped, and then let's help the business to understand what's going on in that moment of truth. We're talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with David Keane. He's the founder and CEO of Big Tin Can, and lots of good insights into what the opportunity right now is, now is with AI. And I think, you know, David, you're talking a lot about this being a benefit to the sales organization. It seems like this this can directly impact marketing campaigns. I also just, a lot of what you're talking about seems like it could be directly applicable and just as valuable to a product team, right? I mean, those insights and how you react to them, it can be done on a phone, in a meeting, in an email, in the product you're interacting with online or in mobile. Um, where do you see the most application? Is it in the sales environment or do you see marketing and product um, usage of this as well? You know, I think what we're seeing is the mega trend here is that marketing and product, they need to know what's happening when a salesperson meets a customer. And for, I mean, you guys can comment, but for almost as long as I can remember, the marketing and product organizations saw the sales engagement with the customer as this black hole. They could never see into it they map out this process for lead generation and nurturing and moving a customer forward. And they have this lovely flow chart and they get to the buyer meets the seller and then this little black box around it. And you'd hope that a good job was done. So what we see happening is these two things working together. We know that marketing groups and product groups need to know that the message they are crafting, diligently crafting, puts huge effort into designing is being relayed in the right way. Because if they know it is, and it's not working for some reason, the results aren't there, they can fine tune their message. If they're always worried, gee, we did a great job with this idea and this approach, 
but I'm scared the sales team, you know, messed it up when they presented to the customer. They're not sure if it's their message or it's the delivery of the message that's a problem. So we see an opportunity for the folks that are creating this view. They are building that message. They are crafting that content to have this insight into what actually goes on in that engagement. But at the same time, we want to do that in a way where this approach to smart software is helping that salesperson to use it in the right way. And you know, we think we have a pretty unique time right now in our market where, again, back to what you said at the beginning of this conversation, the, the last year, the last six months, this is technology that is now practical to be implemented. Mm-hmm. And that means that you're going to see leaders in B2B, again, amongst other sectors, saying, right, it's time for us to differentiate before our competitors do. I agree. We're going to take a quick break, pay some bills. We'll be right back with more with David Keane from Big Tin Can. We're going to be talking about just helping uh, marketers and sales professionals sort of embrace a more complex world as a way of differentiating. And I also want to find out how the heck he named his company. We'll be right back. That's Pipeline Radio. How do you continue to drive predictable revenue in an increasingly unpredictable time? Creating a revenue growth engine is no small task, nor is it one that can be done overnight. And these days, it can feel harder than ever to hit your stride. So how can you overcome the obstacles? Read the new research report on the state of predictable revenue growth from Sixth Sense and Heinz Marketing. Get it now at hub.sixcents.com slash PRG. That's hub.sixcense.com slash PRG. Okay, back to our uh, discussion about AI. And the good news is that no matter how smart the robots get, they're never going to replace us producers and engineers because how else could we do shows like this? Well, you couldn't. And it's, it's great that you bring that up, Paul, because uh, in my in the blog post, I don't know when we're putting up. It might be up tomorrow, might be up next week. Like One of the things, I, one of my lessons and recommendations is that you need a sidekick, right? I mean, you can have a co-host for the show, you know, when I signed up to do the podcast, I did I did not expect to have a Paul Roberts as part of this. <laughs> right. But like you're my Andy Richter, man. I mean, this has been a lot of fun for us. You know, <laughs> exactly. occasionally people won't show up and we'll just go, we'll just kind of riff on things. Um, but I think it adds um it adds a layer of interest and humor and it's been a lot of fun. I wonder really if, from your guest, you know, every sales organization, whether they admit it or not, probably wishes they could have robots selling their products here because they never get sick. They always have the exact same spiel. They listen to at the appropriate times here. But how do you get around that human factor, that interaction? How do you add humor and things like that into an AI experience? Well, maybe you don't. Maybe what you do is you empower the person. You empower that salesperson to do what they're really good at, which is understanding that human connection, understanding what really makes that person respond. And using the AI, I think as we might call our new AI, the Andy, the Andy AI, but um, the idea that it can be the, the sidekick, it can be the helper, it can help you to get ready, it can help you to get set, so that when you have that engagement, you can be as prepared as possible, you can be as empowered as possible to then do the bits you have to do, and then focus on the bits that you said it right, no computer's gonna do in our lifetimes, which is do the actual human connection part of this. I have another way of thinking about that, which I'd like to run past you and see if you guys like this approach. But in many ways, we think of this new approach for helping sellers, a bit like the way we think about some of the the driver assistance or self-driving type tools you see in today's cars, today's motor vehicles. 
those tools, whether it be, you know, lane keep assist or some kind of emergency braking or smart GPS, these tools are all designed so that the driver can actually focus more on the road and what's important. They're designed to assist the driver when things may be going a little bit wrong. They're there to make sure that the driver gets the optimal use of their humanness to be able to be successful in their task. Now we see sales AI doing a very similar thing, providing that level of assistance, that guidance, that support, so that the salesperson can win a deal, can focus on a customer need, get the insight they can only get from that human connection. And I do believe that as we think more about where this can impact that buyer-seller dynamic, if we're able to use AI in the right way, I, I kind of think about it often that the way I, we use these smart assistants on our, on our phones that tell us what the weather's gonna be like in Chicago when we head out there. Um, you know, this kind of stuff. It's, it's wonderful insights that you can get instantly. So sales AI will have a very similar approach. It will help that person as an assistant, as a, Andy, um, to help to, to make them um, feel confident that they can be as effective as possible in that customer engagement. I love that. Yeah, and, I, and I agree with you. I think that, you know, the, especially for that complex sale, we no longer think of salespeople as just sort of being the gates to information, but the best ones are actually guides and Sherpas along the process. They're trusted advisors. And I think that, you know, it's certainly, I think artificial intelligence can sort of help translate some of the, what's going on in the market. But I, I think that, you know, there's an awful lot of B2B selling to be very difficult to do without that human touch. Related to that though, uh, our guest today, on Sales Pipeline Radio, the founder and CEO of Big Tin Can, David Keene. I wanted to ask you about the level of complexity that this implies about sales and marketing today. I, you know, we talked to a lot of companies and CMOs and chief revenue officers, and, and they kind of wish that things were simple again. They kind of wish that they could just generate leads and send them to the sales team and just have a follow-up script. And you know, it could be that that was never actually effective. What do you say to companies that look at this kind of opportunity, look at software like this, and they're trying to figure out how to for lack of a description, sort of embrace the discomfort of change and create an appetite for complexity that ultimately leads them to a very, very good place, but there's certainly a learning curve to get there. Uh, look, I think that's a really interesting question. And of course, challenging because we live in a very complex world. If we look at the everyday engagements we all have as human beings in our lives, we're doing all kinds of things that were just impossible a generation ago. But the way to think about this is that this technology is simply designed to make it easier. If you implement AI and machine learning and data science in a way that makes that connection, that buyer-seller dynamic more complex, I would say you're doing it wrong. The principle of this technology is to make that engagement simpler, is mm -hmm. so that human being is able to get the assistance they need and support and data and insights they need when they need it, rather than you know just dumping it all in some big treasure trove of, of, of data. It's going to be the right information at the right time so that they can focus on what they need to do. And the outcome of this is a simpler world. And I think that's something that we're going to innately understand ourselves as we engage more in our everyday consumer lives with similar kinds of approaches. But the one thing I will say, which is really important to understand, is that to, to make this work successfully, we need to remember these things are just computer programs. They're fancy, smart computer programs, but they're just computer programs. They need to have the data. And the data is where enterprise organizations, and I believe every organization, 
It's going to continue to build up their value. So focus on your data, get the data there, build models around the data that make it easier. And what you'll find is data science and AI can actually really have an impact in, in how your sellers work and how your business, marketing, sales managers, operational teams, as high up as the executive C-suite, they can get insights into what's happening in that black box of buyer-seller dynamic. I love that. We're running out of time with our guest today. I did want to make sure we asked you the question. Big Tin Can is one of my favorite brand names in B2B. <laughs> Where did that come from? Uh, yeah, I've got a few stories for you, my friend, but let me start off with this one. Um, no, look, it's, it's when you start a new company, finding a name for a company is really tricky, particularly in today's world when if you want a .com email address, you find out pretty quickly that most .com um, are gone. In fact, .coms for almost every language are gone. You can look at, at .coms in, a, you know, in, in, in Hindi. You can look at .coms in almost every language. They're all kind of gone. So then many organizations kind of make up a name. And I'm sure you've had a few folks you've talked to had a new name for a company, made up a particular word by joining things together or creating a new way of just describing the sound. But the challenge with that was it's easy to forget those names. We wanted two things. We wanted a name people would remember. So hopefully all you folks out there all over the world listening to the radio stream or remember Big Tin Can. But also we wanted to indicate that it is the Big Tin Can into which you could put your stuff and have it handled properly. So that was the reason, you know? And it stuck. We found our customers really like it. Found that it's that it's really helping to indicate what we do and it's getting our whole team something to really bring us together and we think about our vision of making every buyer-seller engagement better through making folks feel more confident and being more happy. Well, easy to remember and hard to misspell. Those are a couple of things that I think a lot of people uh, you know, find really valuable to good brand name. Well, last question for you before we let you go here today. We're starting a new series, uh, content series at Heinz Marketing called uh, The Longer I Live and the More Mistakes I Make. And the whole idea is to tap into just the wealth of experience that people across B2B have. And, you know, if, if I were to ask you, you know, as you look back at your career, you know, what's maybe one thing that you have learned through experience that is some sage advice for people early in their career that you might give out? I think when you're younger, you think you can solve all problems instantly, easily. But the reality is sometimes you've got to solve them one by one. And I've learned through many, many you know, interesting engagements that if you break things down into small chunks and just do them and don't get stressed over it, just relax. Do the stuff you can do, do it well, focus one by one. Actually, time goes by and you get a better result. There's the alternative, getting yourself all stressed over trying to achieve some massive thing in a short period of time that's hard to do. And the best way to live is a human. I love it. I want to thank our guest today, David Keane, the founder and CEO of Big Tin Can, an actual surfer here, Paul, joining us on Sales Pipeline Radio. So thanks so much. If you like this conversation, if you like, I particularly like David's uh, answer to the complexity question, talking about technology, the way of simplifying the next steps and creating clarity. If you want to share this conversation with your peers in sales and marketing, your sales and marketing team, you'll find it up at salespipelineradio.com. In just a couple of days, make sure you join us next week. I'm really excited. We've got Lisa Schwatner. She is the executive editor of Selling Power Magazine. We're going to be talking about the importance of editing. I think we see so much content out in the world today, lots of content in different formats. Uh, Lisa is one of the best editors I know, and she's going to be talking about what that means and why it's so important for B2B marketing and sales. Uh, until then, for, on behalf of my sidekick and great producer, Paul, this is Matt Hunt. Thanks for joining us. Another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. with that, we wrap up another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio right here on the Funnel Radio Channel. 
for at work listeners like you. 